All right, all right. Well, good morning, Generations Church. How's everyone doing today? It is a joy. It is a privilege to be with all of you this morning. I always love coming up here. And uh, so I am Pastor Isaac. If you don't know me, I am a fun size. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I am fun. But anyways, <laughs> I'm Pastor Isaac from our GC San Diego campus. And, uh, and again, just a, a joy, a privilege to be with you guys. And today, today we're going to tackle part four, the revenge. No, just kidding. Part four of the mark, conspiracy or truth. And for all of you joining us online, thank you so much for jumping online. Make sure you put your seatbelt on because we're going to take off in just a moment here. So you guys ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your amazing grace. We thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding and causing us to see truth that sets us free. Father, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, today we are talking about, this is the final part of our series, part four of the mark. And according to scripture in the book of Revelation, we see the, the revelation or the unveiling is what the book of Revelation means. It's Revelation, not shuns, plural, but it's shun because Jesus is revealing and unveiling. And here when he talks about the mark, the mark is true. It, it will come to pass. There's nothing that you and I could do to change that fact. You can't have enough faith to change the reality of the, pro, of the prophetic that has, been, that has been set in motion. In other words, people can have faith for things, but you can't have faith to change what has already been declared in Scripture. Are you here today? And so with that being said... Uh, we do know that the mark of the beast is true. It's not a conspiracy according to Revelations chapter 13. But before the mark of the beast is revealed, okay, we know that according to Daniel chapter 9 verse 7, it talks about how within the first three and a half years, eventually, you know, the, the Antichrist, or again, as scripture describes him as the beast, we have a threefold manifestation of Satan. The Bible describes the dragon, the Antichrist, who is the beast, and then it talks about the false prophet. Of course, we know that the dragon is Satan and the Antichrist or the beast is this political leader that comes on the scene that wins over the entire world. For the first three and a half years, he, he wins over everyone. He somehow uh, eradicates poverty. He does all kinds of incredible things that wins over the world. And then the false prophet comes on the scene and he basically comes on the scene and, and, and introduces this religion that aligns the beast and creates this allegiance or worship of the beast. And so... Uh, you can read all about that in the book of Revelation. But there's a lot here to cover today, and today I'm going to focus on the rapture. Everyone say rapture. rapture. We will be talking about the rapture and what the Bible says regarding the rapture. And uh, I want you to think of it as a party bus. Everyone say party bus. <laughs> How many of you have been in a party bus before? Nobody wants to raise their hand. What's going on here? Where's all my fun people? <laughs> you know? The party bus comes over, man, it is loud, there is music, there is lights, right? And so the rapture is a snatching away that will take place. And so I like to think of it as a party bus. And this party bus is about to pick you up. And you have no idea when it's going to come get you. And when it comes, picks you up and takes you, it's taking you to a bigger party. Come on, somebody. Are you here today? Okay. The Bible talks about the biggest party, okay, uh, in the history of mankind, okay? It's the wedding of the Lamb. And it's a seven-year party. How many of you know that God knows how to party? 
I'm talking about DJ Tiesto up there, you know, in heaven, tearing it up on the turntables. You know, you got your music. And there's, this is a VIP event. It's an exclusive event. And it's a private event, okay? It's a private event for his church, his bride, okay? And now this is the first party bus that's going up. And this is the first rapture, and we're going to look at it in Scripture. The Bible talks about a second rapture. Uh-oh. I got your attention now. Where eventually the party bus that parked and allowed you to party for seven years, okay, in heaven, that party bus, you're going to jump back into that party bus and head back down to earth for the second rapture. Now, I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Are you ready? Here we go, quickly here. Before we jump into the rapture, you have to understand that while we're up in, excuse me, while you're up in heaven partying it up, seven years on earth, we have what the Bible describes as the great tribulation, okay? For the first three and a half years, there's peace, there's prosperity, but eventually the tables turn. And we know that the Antichrist, the beast that comes on the scene, just begins to do all kinds of things, and he makes the mark of the beast mandatory. And we see that in Scripture here real quick, here in Revelation chapter 13, verse 18. It says, the second beast also forced... Made it mandatory is what the actual original Greek says. He forced and made it mandatory for all people, small and great, rich or poor, free and slave, to have the mark put on their right hand or on their forehead. No one could buy or sell without this mark. The mark is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And so again, this number will be introduced three and a half years into his rule or his reign on the planet. And it's going to be something that happens globally, okay? But you and I will be snatched away before all this takes place. And Jesus describes that during the great tribulation, it will not be fun here on earth. Okay. Well, we're up in heaven having carne asada and all kinds of brisket and amazing food. And then you don't gain weight, no high blood pressure, nothing like that happens. It's just amazing. It's like, wow, it's unlimited buffet. In fact, the Bible talks about a table and there's a table and there's a seating, a chair there for you. Okay. That has a name. Your, this is your VIP invitation and the bible talks about how your name you you're, you now have a new name come on somebody that only you know and so this is a special private event the second rapture is a public event okay and we're going to look at that in scripture but the very first rapture uh again people who are here on earth and just to just quickly just go through this there's a lot to this but i don't you know we're not going to get real deep into the book of revelation and the two witnesses and all of that you can read that on your own but today we will talk about the rapture and jesus describes that in the days of the great tribulation it's going to be very very difficult to live it's going to, it's not going to be something like well if i missed the first party bus to get to heaven i got the second party bus and yes technically you have the opportunity to make it still into heaven but it will be very difficult. In fact, Jesus said that those days would be so difficult that, that he had to cut those days or those years short because mankind would be basically eradicated from the planet. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, he says, this will be the worst. You've not seen nothing yet. We've gone, you know, World War II and we've seen the Hitler. We've seen all kinds of crazy things happen throughout the years and historically speaking. But Jesus here says that... This will be the worst time of suffering since the beginning of the world. And nothing this terrible will ever happen again. If God doesn't make the time shorter, no one will be left alive. But because God's chosen ones, he will make time shorter. And so you might think that right now we're going through difficult times. And yes, I will agree with all that we've been talking and pastor has been preaching on, that we are being conditioned to eventually receive a mark. 
you cannot buy, you cannot sell. And during the great tribulation, people will have to choose whether they would feed their family and receive the mark because you can't buy groceries, you can't operate, you can't run your business. You need the mark of the beast in order to survive. And so it will be very difficult. And on top of that, if you receive the mark of the beast, you just sign a one-way ticket to absolute pain on earth and hell for eternity. If you receive the mark of the beast, the Bible describes that there is no salvation. There is no way out of it. You've made your allegiance, and you cannot escape. And so it's important that we're in the know. This is why the book of Revelation has been given to us, so that we would be in the know, so that we wouldn't be ignorant of what is to come, but we would be prepared. And so it's important that you know, and eventually your family, neighbors, whoever, you know, friends know, because the day will come when the first party, um, par, excuse me, party bus comes, and if they miss out, they need to be in the know. And the Bible does describe that there is people that do make it in the second party bus. At one point, John saw these souls, he called, and he asked Jesus, who are these people? He says, these are the people that didn't, that they refused the mark of the beast, and they made it. And so that will eventually take place. But I want to quickly again now jump into the clearest scripture in, in, in the Bible regarding the rapture. You guys ready? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, brothers, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, but you need to be in the know about those who sleep in death. So that notice how what Paul said, when you die, you don't really die. He said you sleep. Right. You see, you're an eternal being. Your physical body is on this earth, but your spirit is in heaven in the presence of God. The Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, so here he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest who are without hope. People who grieve without having Jesus as their Lord have no idea what's in the afterlife, so they grieve without, with, without hope. But we have a living hope, right? Hope is alive, and we will be celebrating that next week. Amen? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. By the word of the Lord, we declare to you that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those on asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of, the, of God. And the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive will remain, will be caught up. Everyone say caught up. This is the word caught up. In the Latin, if you have a Latin Bible, you might have a Latin Bible. The word is rapturo. And that's where we get the word rapture. So some people will say, well, the, the word rapture doesn't exist in the Bible, Pastor Isaac. It does if you have a Latin Bible. And so this, this term means to snatch away, to be taken away. It's like if I run into your room and snatch you and pull you out, that's the same terminology here. You're snatched away. You have no time to grab anything in your room. You have no time for anything, absolutely nothing. I ran into your room and I'm snatching you away. This is the terminology here. We who are alive will remain and will be caught up together. There is a generation that will not see death. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here. There is a generation that will not see death. I'd like to join that generation, right? That's why when you see me jumping, I'm practicing rapture. Anyways. <laughs> and then it says, it says, after that, we who remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so, again, when we die, physically, your, your, your soul, your spirit, man, is in the presence of the Lord. 
okay? Your body is on earth, and here Paul described it as though it is sleeping. Because in the day of the rapture, okay, every part or every fiber of that part that was your body comes alive together. Your body, this, the Bible says, or Paul says, that this corruptible flesh, be, you know, turns into incorruptible. In other words, your body turns into the very body like the person of Jesus Christ. What do you mean? Jesus, the Bible says, was the firstborn among the brethren. The part of him that was human became born again. Listen, and his body was transformed and changed. You and I will have the same type of glorified body like Jesus. Are you here today? All right, so here we go. Now, again, this word caught up is harpazo. Everyone say harpazo. Man, you guys are amazing, Greek theologians. And again, this word means to seize, to, to, to catch up or to snatch away, to be raptured, okay? And this is a private event between the groom who is Jesus and the church who is the bride. He is snatching you away, and this is a private event. Now, quickly here, uh, let's look at another scripture regarding the rapture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, What I am saying, dear brothers, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This corruptible flesh can't enter the kingdom of God. Are you here? Right? It needs to be transformed into an incorruptible body. In fact, this is, this is the very, again, the very purpose of the rapture is that, and again, that there's a transforming aspect of this moment in time where your body instantly is changed from corruptible to incorruptible. Okay? And it says, these dying bodies cannot inherit what, is, what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. There is a generation that will not see death. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. Everyone say moment. In one moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to, li to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. And so, again, when you come to Jesus and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what is transformed and changed is your spiritual man. The Bible declares you a new species or a new creation. Is the, the, it says in your Bible creation, but the Greek is a new species. Okay, your spirit now has the very nature of God. The Bible says that you and I are partakers of his divine nature. What's on the inside of you has been transformed. The Bible says as he is, so are we on this earth. In your spirit, you have an identical Jesus. That's what's been changed and transformed, okay? Your mind is changed and transformed through a process. As you renew your mind through the word of God, the Bible de declares that the washing of the word changes or saves your mind. But your physical body, it still gets old. It's not redeemed yet. And eventually, this is the very last thing that you and I will experience in our salvation, is the redemption of your physical body that is transformed like the body of Jesus. Amen? And so the word here, moment, is atomo, is where we get our word atomic, okay? And here Paul is saying that in the blinking of an eye, now a blinking of an eye is one fortieth of a second. The blink, come on, blink your eye. Blink your eyes, come on. That's one fortieth of a second. You, you don't have time to, hold on, I'm eat breakfast before I take off on the party bus. There's no time for nothing. Absolutely nothing, Right? This is an instantaneous event, okay? And wherever you're at, you're going to be 
transformed. And so again, Jesus describes this, this event in Luke chapter 17 here. Let's jump over there quickly. It says, the day of the Son of Man will burst forth with the brightness of a lightning strike. See, the blinking of an eye. The language there is very similar. Lightning, how fast is light, right? The blinking of an eye, lightning strike that shines from one end of the sky to the other, illuminating the earth. But before this takes place, the Son of Man must pass through great suffering and rejection from this generation. The same things that happened in the days of Noah. Everyone say Noah. Noah. There's two examples that Jesus gives us, gives us regarding the rapture. And the rapture will take place. Some people say, well, some people teach that it's before the great tribulation. Some say it's mid-tribulation. Others say it's at the end. It's, it seems to be a little bit confusing. The reality is that there's two raptures. Okay, it's pre-tribulation and after at the Armageddon at the very end. Okay, when the party bus comes back down from heaven. We'll get to that in just a moment. Okay, so notice what he, Jesus said here. It says that it will be like the days of Noah will take place in those days. The same things that happened in the days of Noah will take place in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given to in marriage, and the day, everyone say day. day. This is very significant. You see, there's an actual day, a moment in time. It doesn't say days, it says the day that Noah boarded the ark, the devastating flood came and swept them all away. Now, when did the flood take place? Did it happen while Noah was building the ark, in the middle of him building the ark? Did, did the flood happen, you know, while he was just, just about to start building the ark? You know, the day came when he went in and all the animals went into the ark and then the flood came. You know that the ark is a type and shadow and representation of Jesus. The Bible does say that when the ark, the, the, the ark's door was shut, that it was, it was sealed shut is what the Hebrew says from the inside and the outside. No one could open it from the inside or outside. It says that the hand of the Lord had sealed it shut. Okay, this door was the only way to escape the flood. Jesus comes on the scene after 400 years of silence, and he says, Behold, I am the door of salvation. If any man walks through it, he shall be saved. See, the ark, Jesus is your ark. He's the party bus, hello, that's going to get you to avoid, okay, the great tribulation, the flood that is about to happen. And so, again, the flood came after Noah. The day that Noah came in, then the flood came, you see. The rapture happens, and then the great tribulation comes. So Jesus himself used this illustration of Noah. Then he mentions another example, and it says this. Uh, it says, Noah boarded the ark, and the devastating flood came and swept them all away. The days of the Son of Man can also be compared to the days of a lot. Everyone say lot. How many of you guys remember lot, Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember that, how crazy it was, Right? It says the people of that time lived their lives normal. They got married. They raised families. They built homes and businesses. They were totally unaware of what was coming until the day. Everyone say day. day. The rapture is a day. It's a momentous day. Just like the day that Noah entered the ark. The day Lot departed from Sodom. The sky opened up and rained fire and burning sulfur upon them, destroying everyone and everything that it had built. So it will be on the day of the unveiling of the Son of Man. Three times it mentions day, the day of Noah, the day of Lot. So shall it be when the Son of Man is unveiled. On that day, if one is outside, he won't even have time to go back into the house to gather his belongings. And those toiling in their fields won't have time to run back home. Don't forget the example of Lot's wife. What happened to her when she turned back? All who are obsessed with the being secure in life 
end time preppers, excuse me, moving out, no. <laughs> nothing wrong with having, you know, extra stuff, but when you make that your goal to survive through the apocalyptic zombies, you know, something's there, you need to go read the book of Revelation, because you'll be gone, you're leaving that for those that are staying, so maybe that should be the plan, but anyways, it says, all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them uh, to me will discover true life. For in that night, wait a minute, I thought it just said day, now it's saying night. In that night, there will be two lying in their bed. One will be suddenly swept away, while the other will be left alive. For in that night, there will be two lying in their bed. One will be, one will, will be suddenly swept away, while the other will be left alive. There will be two women working together at household duties. And it says one will be suddenly swept away and the other will be left alive. It sounds a little bit confusing, right? Why does it say day and then it says night? Because time in California, day on the other parts of the world, it's night. This is a day event, a historic day that will take place. In the blinking of an eye, 40th of a second, you and I will be gone. This is the snatching away. This is the private event between the groom and his bride. Seven-year party. Now, I want you to notice this again. What happened with Lot? When, when, when did Sodom and Gomorrah begin to be destroyed? While he was still in Sodom? When did it happen? I'll show you. Genesis chapter 19, verse 22. The angel responding and addressing Lot. He says, but run there quickly. He was talking about hiding out in this one town. Small little village. But run there quickly. I cannot destroy Sodom until you are safely in that town. You see, I, I can't bring the great tribulation. We have the technology to have the mark of the beast already. We can already insert you know, things into our skin. There's a club out in Spain that you can go to this club and there's a VIP section, you know, in a, in a lounge area where if you have this particular chip, you can buy appetizers and drinks just with that chip alone. And it's, a, and it's an area that's secluded just for those people that have, you know, this particular chip. The owners of this, of this particular place in Spain also have a place out in the Netherlands. And, it's, and they're trying to basically, you know, uh, have the same exact setup that they have in Spain. We have the technology to carry out the mark of the beast. But what is holding back the Antichrist from full manifestation is what Daniel reveals. Because Christ and the church, hello, has not been removed. We are holding back the manifestation of the Antichrist. If he would show up today and they introduce the mark, you're like, whatever. <laughs> we're not going to take that. Go home and kick your dog. That, we're not going to do that. We are not going to do that, right? I don't mean to offend dog lovers. I'm just, you know. The angels could not judge Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot left. It's the same thing with the Great Tribulation. And Jesus is using these two examples of how he would, you know, come and snatch the church. It's going to, listen, the Great Tribulation will not manifest itself until the rapture takes place, okay? So again, you know, it doesn't matter. If you're a member of a church, remember it's about who you know. It's about knowing the person of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And knowing and having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the only guarantee that you and I have to avoid the great tribulation and what's to come. 
And, and it's not a matter of perfection, it's a matter of faith. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8 that you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, so that no man may take credit. What does that mean? In other words, you cannot do enough good works to earn your way into heaven. You're not saved by works, okay? You're saved because of your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. You believe that Jesus died for you, not only that he died for you, but that he actually died as you at the cross of Calvary and gave you the gift of eternal life. Forgave all of your past, present, and future sin. And because of that redemptive work at the cross of Calvary, you have access to the throne room of God. Hello, are you here today? You see, by making Jesus the Lord of your life, you purchase your one-way ticket to eternity in heaven. Are you here today? I'm getting ready to preach. <laughs> Quickly here. Am I out of time? Man, we are out of time. Praise the Lord. Are we out of time, Pastor? Yes? <laughs> Pastor Sergio, he's like, you got five minutes. <laughs> Quickly here, John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I prepare to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. This word receive, okay, is paralambano. Paralambano means I'm going to take you in as my own. And it's the same language of snatching away here. I'm going to receive you as my own. I'm coming back for you, Okay. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you destitute. And God is honoring your faithfulness. He's honoring your faith. He's honoring the fact that you chose to believe in him when it seemed to be contrary. He's honoring the fact that you've chosen to walk out your purpose in Christ Jesus in spite of what the world told you to do. He is celebrating you. Quickly, second rapture, Jesus. Matthew 24, we've got to fly here. Ready? Here we go. Here's a second party bus. Immediately after the what? Tribulation. Just simple. Jesus is simple, okay? We make it all crazy complicated. After the tribulation, seven years of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, as described in the book of Revelation. John wrote it as he saw it. He said the star, but we know it as a meteor that hits the earth. He called it wormwood, which, which means bitter. It made the waters bitter. It killed the ocean life. It says the stars will fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man. Now this is a public now display. The other one was a private event. This is a public display for all mankind to see. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. With power and great glory. And he will send his angels with great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds. He's talking about the Jewish people who chose not to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. But they realized that they were deceived by this false prophet and by the beast. The Bible describes, and just real quick, the rebuilding of the temple. Whenever you hear or see that there's a rebuilding of the temple, we're getting close to the very end. Now they do say that all the parts that go inside of the temple are already established. It's ready to go. It's just a matter of beginning to move in that direction of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, the Bible describes how he will rebuild the temple. He makes a peace treaty, as Daniel says, with the chosen or the elect or the Jewish people. And they think that he's the Messiah because they refuse to believe in Jesus. 
because he comes with great authority and great power. They didn't think Jesus was a Messiah because they thought he would show up on a stallion with military might to overthrow the Roman government. But he didn't. He showed up on a donkey. It was happening. He was cruising, okay, as he got into Jerusalem. They're like, this can't be the king of kings. This can't be the Messiah. So they take in the beast. And the Bible says he rebuilds a temple. And he sits on the throne as though he himself is God. That's why his name is called blasphemy. Because he imitates the Messiah. And as he sits on that throne, he, he commands a statue of the beast of himself, an image to be built. And, of course, John wrote it as he saw it. He didn't understand robotics or technology as we, you and I understand it today. And he said that this statue had the ability to speak and to determine whether or not you had the mark of the beast. Somehow it could scan whether or not you had the mark of the beast. And so when he builds up this particular statue, they all realize, man, we've been bamboozled. We've been deceived. And he orders that everybody worships the image of the beast. And they realize, no, this goes contrary to what we were taught. We shall not worship any idol or image. Notice what happens. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. Excuse me, verse 31. And he will send his angels with great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together the elect. These are the chosen people. And at one point he tells, see, when Jesus came on the scene... There's two clocks. One clock is the church, you and I. So there was things that he would discuss and he would say regarding the church and speaking to us, the bride. But then at other times, he's talking to the elect, the chosen, the Jews. And he's telling them when you hear, hey, the Messiah's here. The Messiah's there. Don't go there. Don't go there. There's many false prophets. Don't go there, but run into the mountains. The Jews re recognize the reality that they've been deceived. And there's mass murder that takes place. They run to the hills. They cry out. And that's when John said, I saw the heavens open. And I saw a white horse, a man sitting on that white horse with his garment dipped in blood. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting God. Come on, somebody. This is right before the great Armageddon, where... For the first time in history, man actually thinks he can fight against God with his weapons and win. Revelation 6.13 says, The stars in the sky fell on the earth like a fig tree dropping its fig when the wind blows. The sky was split in the middle of both sides, rolled up like a scroll. And every translation you look, it'll say it's like uh, just a 3D scroll of the sky opening. Uh, just this uh, unbelievable sight. And every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then all the people of the kings of the world, the rulers, the army, commanders, the rich people, the powerful people, every slave and every free employee, employer, hello, hid themselves in caves and behind the rocks of the mountains. They said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne, hide us from the anger of the Lamb. The great day. For their anger has come. No one can stand against it. Jesus comes back down. This is that second party bus. And he's leading the charge. And all of us are coming in behind him. And John again wrote it as he saw it. He says that when Jesus would open his mouth, it was like a sword. And it, would, it had the ability to destroy people and the, mil the military might of the beast. The Bible does say in Hebrews that God spoke the worlds 
and the universe into existence. The, the power of life and death is in your... You were made in the image of God. So he speaks life into us. He breathed life into Adam that caused Adam to stand up. But now he speaks death. And just destruction. It says a sword came out of his mouth that would destroy. And there was such destruction that blood, the blood level rose to the horse's head in this region, in this battle called the Armageddon. Where Jesus triumphantly comes now as the king of kings, Lord of lords. He takes the dragon, the serpent of old, as described in the book of Genesis, the beast and the false prophet, and launches them alive into the lake of fire. And the good guys win. Now, today was a condensed version of the rapture. There's so many things to look at. But I want us to stand on our feet. Thank you, Father. These are things that we must talk about. These are things that need to be brought to light. And I'm glad our senior pastor, Pastor Troy, decided to say, hey, we need to talk about these things. The beautiful thing about this, and Paul said, encourage one another with what fact? The fact that you and I don't have to live through all of this. Amen. You can choose to release your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And again, it's not about perfection. I used to think if I'm not perfect, I'm not going to make it. Listen, no one is perfect. But your faith in Christ brings you into right relationship. This is what the word righteousness means. In other words, you've been declared innocent before the Father. Just as though, listen, you've been justified. Just as though you have never sinned. And you need to see that, see yourself in that place. I'm going to heaven because of my faith. If you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It's an absolute. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've prayed this prayer. Maybe you haven't prayed this prayer. But it's the prayer that will give you the gift of eternal life. Give you the gift of forgiveness. Give you the gift of perfect acceptance from your heavenly father. Church, let's all pray this out loud. And if you're joining us online, if you've never prayed this prayer, or maybe you feel like you need to rededicate your life to God, this is your moment right here, right now. Come on, let's all say this out loud together. Heavenly Father, I believe in your son Jesus, that he died for my sins, that he gave me the gift of eternal life. I receive that gift right now. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, give yourselves a hand.